The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many people today struggle with eating disorders. If you are one of the thousands of people who do, you may be experiencing feelings of overwhelm and isolation. You are not alone. Welcome to Chasing Hunger. Here you'll find out what you can do, where you can find the resources, discover the truths, and get the help you need to regain control of your life. Here is Kathy Welter-Nichols, author and host of Chasing Hunger. Hello and welcome to Chasing Hunger. My name is Kathy Welter-Nichols and I've been on this program with you. It's been quite a journey as we've been doing this since December of last year. And this week, we find ourselves in the International Eating Disorders Awareness Week. It's around the world and the symbol color is purple. And wherever you are, whether you're struggling with an eating disorder, whether you're in recovery, wherever you find yourself, whether you're a family member or a loved one supporting someone in recovery, just know that this awareness that is happening as a kind of a grassroots upsurge is helping people all over the world take back their lives from an eating disorder. And that's been the primary focus of my program here. So today, we're going to get started looking at what my program is all about. How do I help young people who come to me, women, mid, midlife women who've had an eating disorder and, and can't break free of it, even older women in their 50s and 60s that are still struggling with an eating disorder and living in both in, in mixed elements where it's... As a young person, it's kind of a trendy, edgy thing to get into. Uh, it's kind of that sort of energy to it. And when we get into our midlife, it begins to become something we're very ashamed of because it is kind of one of those teenage disorders and you're supposed to grow out of those things. But this is an addiction. And when you start something like this, it's every bit as difficult to break free of it no matter what age you're at. So the program that I do utilizes NLP and hypnosis and a whole vast array of other skills, tools, techniques, the things that I've worked with over the years that I found really gave individuals that leading edge in breaking free from the addictive patterns for the last time. There are many, many programs out there. There are treatment centers out there. If you need more um, hands-on to help you stay the course for a longer period of time, those may be the way, that may be the option you want to go for. There are working with your own family doctor. There are group programs around. Reach out. Tell somebody what's happening to you. And even if in the moment you're sitting there and thinking, well, it's not that bad. I only do it a few times a week. I'm not as bad as some people. If you are restricting, binging, purging, and involved in that kind of behavior, you have put yourself into the risk of serious compromising health issues. I'm going to dig into my book a little bit. Um, my book is called Chasing Hunger, the 90-Day Bulimia Breakthrough Challenge. I wrote it as a challenge, and I specifically picked off 90 days, which is three months, and a three-month um focus on recovery by the time you get to 90 days free of of your um, behaviors you will be quite a different person there's simply no question about it you will put yourself on a new path and you will have already done it you'll have found all the things that work for you and you'll also have tried some things that didn't work You'll have done some adjustments in your life. You'll have adjusted some of your relationships. 
And that's what this book is about. It reaches into your journey with you. It offers you all kinds of tips, tools, skills, and a process to help you challenge bulimia every day, help you challenge the behaviors that you've been living your life through. So how does all this get started for most people? Clients have shared they've decided to try binge eating or bulimia during their school years. And this is mostly for the purposes of eating and losing weight. They noticed others had tried this and it seems like it worked for them. People would come back after the summer break and all of a sudden a person that was maybe quite chunky in June is really slim. And oh my gosh, she gets so much attention from friends and from her teachers. Everybody starts to notice, wow, you've lost weight. You look great. And that's the affirmation. And then you start to get that in your family. Uncles or aunts or Other people that don't see the family members quite as often, they come along and they say, wow, you look terrific. You've lost some weight. And so this starts to get attention from the outside world about how your physical body looks. And there starts to become a bit of a fear around, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me if I put weight on? I'm going to lose that attention. But I'm eating and I'm feeling like I'm really hungry after school and I get home after school and I'm just like consuming the whole kitchen. This is partly because you're not eating enough in the daytime. I had another client over just a few weeks ago and she was kind of bragging a little bit that when she's at school she can go two, three days with not eating much. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's not intentional. She wasn't really trying to lose weight or doing that with intention, but she's kind of proud of herself. And I said, oh boy, okay, just stop that right now and let's get back to eating six small meals a day, eat your breakfast, be sure you eat your morning snack, take a break and, you know, have a power bar or a smoothie or something and then have a lunch and then be sure you eat by 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody can usually follow the morning plan, but it's once lunch has come and gone, and then we get into that afternoon, and by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we are just starving. That That's the hole to plug every day, is that 2.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon. You can even eat a chicken breast or have a... Have a big piece of salmon or something that's got a lot of protein to it. Um, And this will really help you get into your mealtime at dinner and not feel starving or ravished that you've got to eat everything in sight. I can remember going home after school, you know, it'd be about four o'clock in the afternoon myself and stopping in at a local grocery store or a local 7-Eleven or something and grabbing a lot of junk food just because you were just so hungry. When we understand where that's all coming from, we can do something different. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we had Toscarina on, and she suggested eating an apple with a handful of almonds because just the apple on its own is going to spike your sugar. But if you put the almonds with it, that's a little bit of protein, and that's going to give you a balance. Just those two things can fill that hole for you so that you're not feeling so overwhelmed and starving and and like you could eat the whole kitchen down. I know this one girl shared with me that she pretty much ate everything that was leftovers and then her dad came in at 5 o'clock and she, she had gone to the bathroom and, and purged it and thrown it up. She didn't tell him that she did that, but she did go to him and say, Dad, I ate all the leftover cake, the leftover lasagna from last night's dinner. I just ate everything. And he said to her, oh, that's okay. That happens to all of us. And that was the end of the conversation. And in her mind, she heard it as permission to keep doing what she was doing. These secrets keep us sick. I keep reminding you throughout this program, secrets, when you don't disclose the whole truth, People don't know what you're doing. They don't understand. Let's get back to this. So just because you're in that place of feeling really overwhelmed and needing to eat, and this is where it starts in those years 
when we're heading home from school, mom and dad aren't home from work yet, um, other family members are around, but we're really getting kind of panicky about eating. I want to break over here into this, taking it back into the family. One of the things that I feel is really critical for all parents is to understand that what we are doing at home is teaching our children how to eat. We're teaching them from the moment they're born. Actually, our children teach us how to eat the moment they're born because a young mother with a newborn, she's told that little baby needs to eat every two, two and a half hours for the first three to four months. It can be exhausting. And that little baby is going to remind her that she's hungry because she's going to start screaming for food. One young mother that I had worked with noticed immediately when her infant daughter was no longer really interested in nursing. And so she would just take her off the breast and she would say, well, she's not hungry anymore. She'd wait a while and then feed her daughter when her daughter was hungry again. This followed into her toddler age too. When the daughter wasn't hungry, she would simply take the food away from her. She offered her food at six different times through the day with the breakfast and snack and lunch and afternoon snack and dinner and a little bit of something before bed. As soon as the child was finished with food, no matter how much was left on her plate, it was simply removed. There was no comment. There was no judgment. There was never an argument about eating. She would serve her the meal, eat some of it herself, and however, whatever was left, whatever the child left, she would simply remove it. She would eat slowly, and this is how the mother ate too. She never got fussy about what she left on her plate. She ate slowly. She would always leave a little bit of food left on her plate. She never saved food either or left food over and packaged it into the fridge. It all went into the, into the garbage. For her, that was garbage food. And she let it go into the bin. Food was fuel. If food did not get eaten by either herself or her child... Then the child wasn't hungry, and she monitored her own intake in the same way. This young woman was slim the whole of her life, and still is, and she was really training her daughter The food is just fuel. If it did not get eaten, or her child wasn't hungry in that meal, she'd be hungry the next meal, because she knew that from her, her own experience, and she never turned to food or eating when she was upset frustrated. Food was just fuel. Food was neither a punishment nor a reward system. It was just fuel. She referenced her own body and when she was full at a mealtime, that was the end of it. Now her husband had a different take on it. He felt that his wife wasted a lot of food and he would often say to her, hey, why didn't you finish that? Why do you take so much food and then you never finish it? And it's always going in the garbage. She respected and honored her own body. She listened to it. And she knew when she had had enough. And as the child got older, the child began to listen to her own body in the same way. We're going to take a break for a minute. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA-ChasingHunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1-604-421-1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at ChasingHunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. You can find Kathy at WaysOfTheWiseWoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? 
Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. Welcome back. So I was speaking to you a moment ago about the family dynamics of food. Now, the interesting thing is when parents, when when two people marry and get together, they're not necessarily paying attention to how they both treat food. So for this particular family, this dad was starting to get a bit annoyed with his wife's pattern of eating this way because he thought she was going to teach his children to not respect food and to throw it away. And so... While his wife could defend herself, the children fell under his new rules. And if the food was on your plate, you should eat it all. And there was now a war on. It's interesting to observe how one person or one parent in the family is making dinner and the other one is feeding toddlers and little ones some sugary foods. Once sugar hits the stomach, there is no way that they want to eat dinner. It just, it's that way. If you give them juice or you give them sugary foods before dinner time and they're picking their way through dinner and they're barely chewing on one one morsel of healthy food, you can't blame the kids. Their stomachs have shut down because they got hit with sugar. Food is just fuel. Food. So sugary foods are not fuel. This really isn't a negotiation because from here on in, you're going to start a war with food and power struggles over food, the toddler's going to win. Kids will float through likes and dislikes about different foods with regularity. It's part of what they're doing. They're training their brain through likes and dislikes. So because they love broccoli one week and won't eat it for the next six months, change up the vegetables. Food is just fuel. Now, this particular dad, he'd walked in one evening and I happened to be there and he had a small package of donuts at 4.30 in the afternoon. And so he gave them to the children and the three-year-old and the little one who was 18 months both had lots of donuts before dinner. And all through dinner, the argument was on. Plus, the wind-up of the sugar makes children really antsy. And so partway through the meal, I said to the dad, I said, you know, you fed them a lot of sugar before dinner. And he just said to me, oh, come on, those donuts didn't create all this. These kids should eat their dinner. And I, th- I have to say again, parents, you have to take responsibility for the strategies you're introducing to your children. If you make a misstep like this, oh, so what? It's one meal. Just don't do it again. Some of the things that I would like to say here to parents that are raising young toddlers, there is this underlying belief strategy at work here. And let's kind of look at these for a minute. Parents have different approaches to food and eating. It's a given. Some are comfortable respecting and listening to their body first. Some are not interested in power plays over food. They'll have power plays in other places. There's just no question. If you're raising a two-year-old, you're going to engage power plays. But if you can keep it off the food, it's amazing. <clears throat> some will not want. Some will want to win no matter what. It's a game, and our little guys get into this too. Sometimes it's a drama. Power struggles between the parents are going on, and the kids know it. The children will get mixed messages about food, and often they pay the price. They also learn that there are different rules for different parents and under different circumstances, too. 
If daddy picks us up from daycare, we get donuts before dinner. If mommy does, we don't get anything before dinner. There's a different approach from each of the parents. They quickly learned to hide the fact that dad took them through the drive-thru and they all had fries and milkshakes after school. And now no one's interested in eating that dinner that mom's been cooking for the last hour. One of my clients was the middle child of three and her siblings were, were brothers. Every mealtime, her mom served their dinner and then she'd retreat into the kitchen and she would eat her dinner there. She never ate with, with the family. Mom served the same size plate for all of her children. Of course, as the boys started to grow, they wanted to eat more, so their plates got a little more food on them, but so did the daughters. And she learned the best way to get through all that food, because she couldn't get down from the table until she did, was to simply eat it all as fast as she could. Well, within a very short period of time into her teen years, she started getting a sore stomach and throwing up the food afterwards. She had taught herself how to deal with that pressure around eating. This is a message from um, a young woman I worked with, and it's kind of a beautiful story too. I grew up in an environment where it was difficult but important to gain approval. Now at 48, I really enjoy the envy of all my friends. They all look at me as if I'm magical or something. I still wear skinny tight jeans and the latest fashions and I know I can look 10 years younger than they do. And everyone envies my figure. I love it. I love the attention. I know that they envy me and they just can't seem to look as good as I do. They don't know that I have this little lie that I live, that I hide behind. They don't know my behaviors. I can't be in a relationship. I live alone. I have a pretty lonely life. My libido is zero. I'm not interested in a relationship because I'm just not interested in anything to do with a partner. It's been gone from my life for years. So while a relationship might look interesting, I'm just not interested in sex enough to want a partner. We sacrifice a lot of things in the name of beauty, in the name of figuring out how we can meet those internal needs, the need for approval, the need to fit in, the need to look like I'm super skinny in my super skinny jeans, the need to look like other people, or the need to look like the people in the magazines. This begins to affect and entrain our brain in a way that we're not really cognizant of how to cope with the strategies that we're setting up, especially when we're in our teen years. We're starting to do things to ourselves and to our brain when our brain is in those formative years. Through the teen years, our brain is changing. Our bodies are changing. We're putting on inches, growing taller every year. And these kinds of physical changes require a tremendous amount from the brain and the physical body. So, yes, we do get a bit forgetful now and again. Yes, we do have needs for food. And I often remind parents that excessive worrying about your child at that age of 8 to 10 because they're getting a little bit bulky in their clothes or they're putting on a few extra pounds, relax. She's about to stretch up. And I find that mothers tend to get a little bit hyperactive because they're projecting their own issues, their own issues onto their own child. And their worries about food and gaining weight are now going on to a 10 or 11 year old who doesn't understand. They're getting this kind of negative message to their body, to themselves that their body isn't okay or that something's wrong because they've got a few extra pounds on. Again, this child is growing and that little bit of bulking up, they did exactly at the age of two before they started taking an extra the next big growth spurt. And then all of a sudden our child has leaned out and looks a little bit skinny to us. So 
this is like an ebb and flow going on in these years of these young, uh, this this youthful engagement. And what we have to do is just be patient. The leaning out follows the bulking up, and that bulking up follows the leaning out. And this is going to continue all the way through high school, all the way through high school. The number one thing that parents can do is read your labels and cut back on the amount of sugary foods you're supplying to your household. How are those kids getting so much sugar, so many carbohydrates? Why aren't they eating a good breakfast? What kind of nutritional, um, what sort of nutritional guidelines are you setting for them? And this means you have to show them by eating the foods that you're asking them to eat. I find that a lot of my clients are extremely adept at understanding food. They've gone into it. They've looked at different ways of eating. They've gone vegan and veganism and and into vegetarianism. And they've gone into all these different processes of eating foods in a different way for the most part. But they still use all of the other types of foods, high sugar foods, uh, carbohydrate foods for their binge and purge process. So it's like living in this kind of split world where I'm very, very good on the one side and on the other side, I am eating all the foods that I'm restricting from my life. And those are the foods that I I purge. Those are the foods I take into my body and throw them up. The piece that's going on here is that we begin to wire neurons in our brain because when they wire together, they begin to fire together. The synaptic connections of these habituated behaviors connect and fire off a chemical reward system that is so compelling you will compromise anything to get the fix your brain wants. And this is absolutely at the core of sugary foods. The sugar stores in the brain, causing that foggy thinking. The minute you take sugar out of your diet, your thinking clears up, your memory clears up. It's a powerful thing that you can do to help yourself. We're going to take another break here. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining me. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA-ChasingHunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1-604-421-1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at ChasingHunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. You can find Kathy at WaysOfTheWiseWoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. And welcome back. So we're into some of the details, more of the challenges that we get into, the mindset behind some of these behaviors with distorted eating habits. I wanted to share this one client really had quite a challenge with handling her emotions. And this is one of the things that I find is at the very core 
of these eating disorders and behavior problems that go with it is that we continue to avoid our feelings by using food in, a, in these ways. We use it to distract ourselves. It takes 35 to 40 minutes to complete the full binge purge cycle and then another 40 to 45 minutes of being in that zone, that high zone from having taken all that sugar into your body and then purging it and the huge release of the um, pancreatic fluids to help the insulin flow to digest all that food is now free flowing through the whole system. What ends up happening now is you are into that sort of high zone for the next 40 to 45 minutes afterwards. Well, by the time all of that has taken place, you've quite nicely diverted whatever emotional issue was coming up for you. It might have been that someone was really treating you quite inappropriately. It could have been a huge boundary cross. It could have been an issue that you really needed to deal with, but you just sidestepped it with this addictive pattern. So this one client of mine, she had shared, she had some challenges at work. And the owner of the company had been away for a few weeks and she'd appointed her friend to supervise all the staff. So this new assistant that was promoted to the owner's position, she started really relishing the power and pushing her weight around, really directing and criticizing everything everyone was doing. She couldn't think of anything nice to say to anyone. This young woman was just so distressed and so angry. She couldn't think of anything but this woman's behavior, driving to work, driving home at night, how unfair it was to everyone. The idea of actually confronting this person was so intimidating, it nearly caused a relapse into her old patterns of bulimia. However, we worked it through together. What's the worst thing that could happen? Can you really see yourself waiting until the owner gets back? That's another two weeks. You're already so upset. What are you going to do then? Will you do anything about the situation even in that moment? How do you feel about going into work tomorrow and experiencing this very exchange with this person? She was panicked. She just didn't feel she could do it. She said she'd hand in her resignation instead. Oh, that's easy. Rather than confront the, the feelings, confront the energies about it, quitting was a better deal. So instead of doing this, we worked it all the way through and we reviewed the fact that, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen? What is the worst thing that could happen? She could end up quitting. So instead, she did go in and she did confront this assistant and she was really nervous doing it. But she said to her, this is terrible and I'm going to quit Well, this assistant sat back in her chair and she said, oh my gosh, please don't. You're the best worker we have. If you quit because of me, oh my gosh, please, please don't quit. So the outside of that was this person learned by confronting what was happening that she was not only a valued employee, but she was highly regarded by the owner too. It was a really empowering moment for her. So this kind of delayed emotional growth is one of those results that ends up happening as a result of just self-medicating with food. I feel emotional. I'm just going to plow down this food and it's going to help me avoid having to deal with any of this. The key here is that if you stop in the moment and as upset as you might be, To really correct these behaviors, you have to get conscious about it. They're not good behaviors to have. And in fact, to continue to feed the lies to yourself about what you're doing daily is really just harming you even further. You can go and ask someone, what do you really think about this? Do Do you think I have a problem? And that person not knowing the full scope of what you're actually saying to them like the young girl with her dad. She didn't disclose all the information. So he couldn't give her 
a valid response. When you don't say what's really going on with you, when you placate it and deny it and try to make nice with it, people are liable to turn around and endorse what you're what you're doing inside your mind it looks like permission to keep on doing what you're doing start by taking these small steps to stand up and stand in your own truth you know what you're doing you know how often you do it you know when you do it you know when you choose to do it you know when you plan for it you know what you're doing Because you hide it from others and you take all the credit for how your body looks in the moment because you're wandering around three sizes smaller than maybe everybody else is, but you know inside yourself what you're doing to achieve that and to keep that. And the bottom line is this can kill you. That's the outside. That's the upset of this kind of distorted behavior. The person who's behaving this way is really the person who's the least qualified to judge whether or not it's okay or not. That's the full denial of what you're doing. So this is the place where you have to get straight with yourself. And I know it. Every one of my clients has come to me and said, it was the scariest thing I've ever been through to think about how I was going to live my life without my eating disorder. Yes, it's frightening because you have to learn many of these skills. You have to be okay with sitting in the moment and knowing I can't do that. What am I going to do instead? You have to find a different way through. And that's what I do. That's what I do is help my clients find a different way in the moment when there's a lot of stress. We don't do it just from the conscious mind and power of will. That It's great to have that willpower, but you and I both know if you had enough willpower, you wouldn't be in this right now. So your willpower isn't enough to get it done. The place we want to go to is some real skills that give you a way out when you're in the moment of being terrified with the fact that you've been at this for a whole week and it's getting worse and you can hardly think straight. You can't remember where anything is and all you can think about is doing more of the same. I know some of my clients have shared some of the darkest days of their lives have been right before they called me. They made the call. We made the deal. They stopped just for three days, gave themselves a break, ate properly, and restored the balance. Your body wants to be well. It will very quickly begin to reset and and help itself. But you have to stop doing what you're doing to it. It's as simple as that. One of the dads of one of my clients recently said to her when she had a relapse, and he said to her, this is your responsibility. This is up to you. We're doing everything we can, but this is down to you. And she turned it around right away. She knew what to do. She had all the tools. She had all the tools. And she was able to turn it around almost within a couple of weeks, just getting back on her, back on what she knew worked and taking herself back to where she knew she felt good and she was able to go back with her life. It has to start with you. You have to take those small steps. Life is here to engage us. We have to participate and co-create with it. It's not the thing to run away from every time there's a bit of a challenge. How do we do this? Well, one of the number one things I know that helps my clients restore their brain, it's one of the number one things many people are doing today, and I've been teaching this for over 35 years, and it's meditation, mindful meditation. That might just sound so overwhelming to you in the moment. 
But I'm telling you this. When you put your mind into a meditative state, it begins to restore many of those places that you have lost function. They're saying in 2017 that meditation is like the new kale. It's the new power food that people are feeding themselves. And people are starting to understand that it's really time to take responsibility for everything that you've been doing. So, we're about to look at what it would look like to bring meditation into your life. I know you can't sit still for a minute. I know the anxiety drives you crazy. I know that when that's happening for you, you're panicking because how can I stop myself? How can I be still for even five seconds? I can't be bored. I can't stand the quiet. But the only way through is to engage the silence. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Contact Kathy Welter Nichols for a private consultation. Use the promo code VA-ChasingHunger for show specials. Book your spot today and start your recovery. Call 1-604-421-1722. Chasing Hunger, the book, is available at ChasingHunger.com, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. You can find Kathy at WaysOfTheWiseWoman.com. Kathy is a gifted speaker and presenter and is available to speak to your group on all subjects related to women's issues. Contact Contact her now and make your next meeting powerful and inspiring. Call 1-604-421-1722 or visit waysofthewisewoman.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Chasing Hunger with Kathy Welter Nichols. If you have a question or comment on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to welterk at shaw.ca. Now, back to Chasing Hunger. So using hypnosis, we put the mind into a place of quiet. We quiet the mind, we quiet the inner voices, we drop in. It's not as scary a place as it might seem. And I tell you this, my clients love it. We use MP3 recordings so that you can listen to them at home. And you use these every day. When that moment of anxiety, tension, fear, panic overtakes you or is threatening to You take a 10-minute or a 20-minute break and restore sanity. That's what this is. Rumi says, now, silence lets the one behind your eyes talk. And I love this expression too. It's a Zen saying, let go or be dragged. And isn't that pretty much the way it's been going? feeling like you're absolutely being dragged through this thing. Meditation allows the body to restore a very different chemistry. You're instead of working with the chemistry spilling out of the adrenal system, that panic, fear, anxiety, what we've learned through meditation is it restores serotonin. It releases those feel-good chemicals in the brain, dopamine, endorphins, all release during deep trance, during hypnosis, and during meditation. Meditation is the act of going within on your own. 
Hypnosis is allowing someone else to help you. And the MP3s are very similar. They're guided visualizations, and they take you into this place of quiet. And it begins to restore your own brain chemistry, which counteracts the adrenaline responses that you've been finding yourself getting into. Dr. Herbert Benson first coined that term. Now, Dr. Benson was head of cardiac care at Harvard University, and he called it the relaxation response, the fourth brain state. He found something in in the brain that he called this state of consciousness. We all have it. All sentient beings have it because we all have a brain. It's the brain's own system of recharging itself. Every 90 to 100 minutes, the brain does a little mini shutdown and restart. It allows for information that's been accumulated to be delivered throughout the rest of the brain and allows the brain to rest and reset and prepare for continuing. When we don't get these little shutdowns, other things start to happen in the brain. Multitasking is not the way to go. No rest, interrupted sleep, exhaustion, a new job, a move, any of these things all cause the brain to move into this state of actually kind of screaming for this fourth brain state. It needs relaxation. These are the places where we need to look at what you've been doing. Because I know an eating disorder often keeps us up all night long. Meditation equates to about four hours of sleep. So the brain and body can restore and feel rested and sleep. And especially when sleep has been interrupted. You can use it for jet lag too. It clearly helps us be better equipped to deal with life on a day-to-day basis. Meditation can move those inner doldrums by releasing your own internal feel-good chemistry. The fight-or-flight response is part of what you're dealing with when you feel those anxious moments. And some of the behaviors that you've been involved in changes the brain chemistry by stripping it of those essential amino acids, hormones, and neurotransmitters. They build the synaptic links in your brain, and it seriously interrupts the restorative sleep. By meditating, you can bring these good things back into your life, even while you're in recovery you'll find a new calmness prevails. You'll experience more confidence in yourself. You'll begin to feel better, and you might even allow a few little slips of joy in there. Now, learning how to do this isn't easy, and I know that. People can help you. I can help you. MP3s are available. You can learn to do this, and it will help you. We're about to bring our show to a close today. What I want to say is we're in the middle of the eating disorder week. It's awareness. Tell someone what you're doing. Help yourself. Reach out. I'm here. I've been dialoguing with individuals through the course of the show, and I'm here. Email me. Just send me an email at welterk at shaw.ca. Start the dialogue. Uh, We can Skype. There's all kinds of ways where you can reach out and connect with me. I'm here. I want to say a little bit about my show for next week. It's a powerful and thought-provoking show. I'm putting it on on the 14th, which is Valentine's Day. It's emotional and it's heartfelt. You'll hear two different family experiences. The first family had no idea their family was about to lose their firstborn child to an eating disorder. She was 36 years old and found dead in a residence at home. And that's when her parents first found out she had had bulimia since the age of 14. The second is a family that supported a close family member all through her life with an eating disorder. Through all the different systems and all the different rehabs and all the surgeries, she did the gambit. 
both these family members, both these families lost family members to an eating disorder in just the past eight months. And there are so many more out there. We're hoping that this program helps people reach out and share the story. Tell somebody what you're going through. It's the only way to really get at this thing. Both individuals that died were in the helping professional. One was a triple board a psychiatrist. The other was a registered nurse with a Bachelor of Science. And they're both gone far too soon. So our show next week is quite, quite heartfelt. It's very compelling. And you really won't want to miss this one. In both cases, both families are really stressing the importance of sharing what you're going through and sharing what's happening to you. Talk about this. Find somebody who will listen to you. An eating disorder can be very isolating. You can be off on your own doing this thing and not even realize how bad your heart is, how how much you're affecting your physical body. Reach out, connect. I'm wishing you all the very best for this week. Bring your awareness to yourself. If you have an eating disorder, please reach out. There are people and organizations available to help you. Thank you for joining me this week, and I wish you all the very best. Thank you for joining us for Chasing Hunger. Be sure to tune in again next week for another edition featuring your host, Kathy Welter Nichols. Next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.